0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome everybody to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I am Anthony Irwin. I am not joined tonight by Harrison Fagan. He, uh, look, I'm talking to, uh, I'm having a guest on and I thought, you know, I'd be up front with him. New year, new me. I told him that I would, no, nah, I'm just kidding. He, I have a friend on coming, coming on. Adam Morris is, is coming on the show with me. Uh, and we talk about the Nuggets. We talk about the Lakers. We talk about, the league as a whole. It's a, it's a fun conversation. Harrison was was busy tonight uh, and could not join, unfortunately. So he will be back with you again for tomorrow's show. Uh, as always, you can find the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's fast break. Make sure you're using the promo code LOLAKERS Lakers for Seakeek and Mac Weldon, and Lakers Ten for BetDSI.com. We will. I'm going to go ahead and just toss it over to the show because why waste any more time? Uh, again. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and enjoy this one. It's a fun conversation. All right, I am joined by honestly, it's pretty rare that that I get to say this when I have a guest on here, but I am joined by a good buddy of mine, Adam Morris from from Denver Steffs and from all over the. How many different places are you writing for? It was it was Nylon Calculus for a while. Now it's Vice, I think. You're just you're, you're more popular than I am. Yeah,
0: I write for just about everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I even write at Silver Screen and Roll, just nobody, nobody has realized. Uh, oh, man, <laughs> I
1: might have to clear that up. It's rare that you
0: have a friend on because you have so few friends, Anthony.
1: I'm, I'm more of a quality versus quantity kind of guy. You are. That's, you what, are. I, that's what I keep on telling myself.
0: Yeah, and you and you are. People need to know you are. Uh, we have a nice, good friendship, a uh, group of friends from our summer league crew. That it's always enjoyable having different blogger friends around the around the world. Really.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It, and and I also I just kind of chuckled to myself thinking about being a quality versus quantity guy, considering how many terrible jokes I tell. So <laughs> 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 it kind of goes against my theory, right there and then. Uh, but yeah, so the Lakers played the Denver Nuggets and lost. It was pretty much a blowout up until the last, I don't know, eight minutes of a game. Uh, the, the the Nuggets played, you know, handled the Lakers pretty easily throughout. Nikola Jokic was the the Lakers just didn't have an answer for him. Uh, but but it was kind of it's cool to see those two cores kind of come together. And and we said this last time you were on the show, Adam, is that it's gonna be a fun rivalry for. For quite some time, I would imagine. The, the, the two teams match up fairly well.
0: The difference is the Lakers, you just know, are going to figure it out and get some free agents and make some trades and all this stuff. And the Nuggets probably won't do that. <laughs> and and this team will be – it's so exciting. I mean, the last year and a half has been some of the most fun I've had watching the Nuggets you know, they made the playoffs for ten years straight and there was like, you know, obviously some really good years and good moments in there. But this team, the Nuggets team at least, is is just so likable. Like really good group of guys, really fundamental, just just exciting players and they're easy to root for, and then they play this great style where they have this awesome offense and absolutely no defense that makes every game kinda of, I mean, one twenty seven, one twenty one tonight. I mean, I predicted it before the game because you just know that's what's going to happen with these two, with, with, uh, with the Nuggets every single night. So it's been fun. Uh,
1: this is breaking news. Did you see this come across your timeline? The, uh, that Denver is trading for Mo Williams. Was
0: it, I, I can't tell if you're being serious.
1: No, I swear to God. Adrian Wojnarowski says Atlanta is trading guard Mo Williams in cash to Denver, league sources tell The Vertical. Hawks will sign Gary Neal to a 10-day contract. So Denver's not sending anything out uh it doesn't look I mean you have to send something technically for it to be a trade, but it sounds like yeah they're you know maybe like a conditional second rounder, I would imagine one of those trades
0: you gotta love the nuggets getting cash <laughs> like, <laughs> they can't get anybody to buy tickets to the arena, so they have to make their money somehow and, and <laughs> you, you trade for mo Williams that's how you do it i I've, uh, been,
1: I've been begging for years for them to change the name of their building to from Pepsi to Diet Pepsi Center. (laughs) That's
0: That's very very appropriate.
1: (laughs) But but all right, so so
0: Williams. All right, I don't even. This is this is hilarious. But okay,
1: there was talk there was talk earlier today of of Denver being a a good destination for Ricky Rubio, and instead you guys went in a different direction and wound (laughs) up with Mo Williams, who's like the exact opposite player.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's true. That is very true. He, I, Mo Williams, I mean, whatever. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, does he? Is he even going to play? I don't even know. Denver has Jameer. <laughs> yeah, but catch Jameer, man. There's no no need for for anybody else. No, yeah. I mean, it. We'll see if it. It sounds to me like the the pre deal of a bigger deal. Like that. That's like the step one, and now you trade. You know Mo Williams as a part of another deal, or so you know something else. Mm-hmm. Other piece come comes out, and that's and and that's what happens. But mm-hmm. um, so it's interesting, something to keep an eye on. Thank God I'm on a podcast now and not able to cover
1: breaking news. <laughs> you, uh, honestly, like I can stop recording now, and you can knock that out if you want.
0: No, I'm fine. I'll uh I'll send out an email to the staff. They'll 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 handle it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Both couple maniacal ass. Um, all right, so so back to the cores of these respective teams. So the way I put it earlier this week, um, because for some reason, no, it was last week. uh, For some reason, there was a whole bunch of talk of which cores were better and which futures were brighter and this and that and the other. And I kind of put it as like the wolves. And I guess you could say the Sixers. Well, no, I I wouldn't say that. Who was it? Wolves and Bucks. The Wolves and the Bucks were the two that are kind of in a class of their own right now. They, they have Towns, on one side they have Giannis on the other um and then I didn't even really think about Denver um you know with the with the Jokic thing my problem with Denver is the the surrounding people with Jokic kind of worries me where Emmanuel Mudiay I I I want to like him more but I I can't get myself to really buy into him because of the the poor shooting though he was like everybody else on Denver perfect from 3 in the first quarter against the Lakers today right uh, Gary Harris hasn't been able to stay healthy. He again didn't play against the Lakers tonight, and I'd like to see him stay healthy. I like him as a player a lot. Jamal Murray is certainly interesting. He can shoot from forever. But it's kind of like it's Jokic and then it's a whole bunch of guys. And then the comparison there and the the comparison with the Lakers, it's like they don't real they don't have a Jokic quality player, but right. collectively they seem to they, they seem to offer more as a group than, than Denvers. Is that a fair assessment of the two cores
0: sort of i mean i think it's a fair opinion to have i don't agree with it um (laughs) you know no it's fine because Jokic. you know obviously i'm really high on him everybody jokes on twitter that i'm you know that i'm driving the bandwagon it's true i mean i watched it took me five minutes of summer league two years ago to say this kid's a player i mean i didn't think he was going to be this good Mm -hmm. but you know that passing i thought was for real uh, you didn't see it a whole lot tonight, unfortunately, Lakers fans. But trust me, it exists. Yeah. Tonight, he was more of a scorer than a than a facilitator. But his, rebounding, was, his rebounding,
1: his yeah. rebounding, really gave the Lakers, especially on the offensive end, was given the Lakers fits.
0: He kind of just takes what the what the defense gives him, and I thought in this game they were giving him open looks, and he kind of just kept going. So, um, but but to get back to your question, you know, the, the Nuggets have such a, have cast such a wide net. Gary Harris, first of all, was health, healthy every single game last season, and it was just this season that now mm-hmm. he's running these issues. So I don't know if he's injury-prone um, or not. He had two seasons basically without getting injured. Now he has one where he's been injured pretty pretty nonstop. Um, but then, you know, Jamal Murray, another guy that I think is uh, has – he had some big shots tonight, and you kind of see the potential, even if he's only playing 10 minutes a game right now. Juancho Hernan Gomez is another guy I think is is really, really good um He's just young. He was going to be a draft and stash this year, but he played so well in summer league they brought him over. I wish they had a D league because he would be playing there. But I think he's a guy. I'm actually probably second highest on him of everyone outside of Jokic. Um, I think I I actually kind of like the Nuggets core, but you're right. They don't have. It's not like Philadelphia who has Embiid Simmons, mm-hmm. you know, like two two elite guys. But I do think the second tier guys on Nuggets the Nuggets' roster is is actually, I'm pretty encouraged by them. I think they are pretty good.
1: Yeah, I, and I'm not saying this. So it, my problem with NBA conversations and just sports conversations is this, this like either or culture to it, right? Where if I right. say that I like the Lakers more, I'm somehow disparaging the Nuggets. I think both teams have a really fun future ahead of them. I just, and and, and the other thing too is the bias that occurs from watching the Lakers more. I think, uh, you know, Larry Nance Jr. and, 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 uh, your guy, uh, Gary Harris, there, there are some similarities there where both guys, yeah. when they're, when they're healthy are really solid NBA players. Larry Nance Jr. was like a, a cult phenomenon. He's um, good. It, it, you know, heading into this last, and he should be back. Apparently, uh, Mark Medina wrote a story today talking to Luke Walton. and He says he's going to be back within, you know, it, Outside of a week I would say Is is what Luke was comfortable going after It sounded like uh, So it would be nice to get him back But like Julius Randle was, was playing really well Early in the year He had a pretty bad game tonight I wasn't very impressed with how he played tonight He had that one play at the end of the, f- the first half Where there were six seconds left and he took it upon himself to sprint down the court with the basketball and just run over <laughs> Kenneth Fareed <Parade. laughs> right? <laughs> Which was, you know, I thought that was an interesting strategy on as far as how to handle the end of a quarter. Uh, but yeah, again, I, I just think uh, collectively across the board, I like the the Lakers group. But that isn't to say that that the Denver doesn't have much to offer. They're they're it's like I said, they're going to be a fun rivalry to watch. I
0: think if you were to rank all the players. Like just on – if you rate them where they are now and where they project to be in the next like two years, I think Jokic is in a class of his own. Mm-hmm. And then you would probably go with three straight Lakers because, you know, I actually really like Randall. I'm a big Randall fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have I, – I rank him pretty high. Uh, I think D'Angelo is really good too. Uh, he played like crap tonight and I th- it looks like he's been doing that for a while now. Mm-hmm. But I still like like just the skill set, the idea of D'Angelo Russell. And then Ingram, I'm a little bit lower on Ingram, I think, as this I mean, it's so hard. It's so hard to judge him because he's the guy that like clearly is not physically ready for the NBA. So it's hard to say like are the tools there because he's he's definitely gonna be a completely different player next year, just with one year of like adding some weight and, and familiarity. But mm-hmm. Um, but I think those three guys probably go two, three, four in a in a theoretical draft before you get to the next Nuggets players. Um, so in that regard, I'm with you. But I just think the Nuggets maybe the Nuggets players start you know kind of take up after that. Although I got to say, Zubek. I like this guy. <laughs> Zubek for the next decade. Let's do this.
1: I'm telling you right now, Harrison is going to listen to this and he's going to be screaming in his radio. It's Zubots. It's Zubots, I swear.
0: Hey, you have to. You have to give me a break. Come on. No. It's, yeah. Of course. It's, it's, it's exactly ringing out at the moment. No, but although, you know, maybe it will soon.
1: He's. Uh, he's been. You know. He's been Zubats. one of those guys that the the fan base, especially in our in Silver Screen and Rolls mentions people love talking about that guy because of the idea of him. And then he comes out and in these short spurts before tonight, he hadn't really played like this was, I think far and away the most he's played this year in a close game. And, you know, it was always, well, why isn't this guy getting more minutes? Why isn't this guy, you know, seeing more time? Let's see him when it actually matters. And then he goes out tonight and he shows out, he puts up a double double against, like you said, Jokic isn't a very good matchup for him. Jokic is way too skilled and way too mobile for him, but it seemed to me like you know Zubats definitely didn't back down.
0: Yeah, he had the block
1: shot on him, which
0: I thought was pretty good. But
1: you know, and then tonight... Wilson Chandler killed him. Tried to kill him twice.
0: <laughs> somebody somebody tweeted it out like, "So sad. He had so much promise. It's so <laughs> so sad to see him die like this." <laughs> but, uh, uh, Wilson Chandler does that every now and then. It's kind of funny. I mean, he's so like smooth, almost slow. And then every now and then he just goes and does this monster dunk, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's 6'8 and super athletic. Yeah.
1: But, um, well, that was I, – I, really quickly, I was going to say what struck me while the Lakers were playing against Denver, and this is why I don't think as bad as Denver is defensively, I don't think it's going to be the case for, for that much longer when we're talking years down the line or, or maybe next year, is how long they are. Wilson Chandler's 6'8. Danilo Gallinari like 6'10", right? Jokic right. is seven foot. When Nurkic yeah. is out there off of the bench, he's seven whatever. Uh, even Gary Harris is a, is a bigger point guard when he's playing point guard. Emmanuel Moody is a longer point guard and in athletic. So I, they're they're actually for for it's it's great because out there in Denver, where you have the altitude as a problem, that's a team that's just everybody is super long and super athletic. Going to get out and in transition, yeah. and they're going to give people problems, and you know the way they should have been over the last few years.
0: Uh, oh, I'm 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 totally with you. Um but back to to Zoobots. Zoobots? Yeah, zoo yeah, it's Zoobots. Like B A T S but like b a h. So back to him, part of what made him so effective today was actually Lou Williams and and just kind of the threat of Lou Williams on the pick and roll because the Nuggets, you know, obviously Lou Williams got really hot. And I actually liked his game I thought, tonight, at least. I, I I really liked how he played, but he just kept like drawing out the double team and dropping it off to him, and he just did a really good job. Like clearly, he could put the ball on the floor, he could finish, um, it, it, and so I don't think it was so much of like a Jokic versus Zubat like matchup, one on one, or anything mm-hmm. like that. But um, but no, he just looked <laughs> he looked like he knew what he was doing out there, which is a lot. I'll tell you what, he's nineteen. He had, oh man. I'll tell you what the the nba i'm I'm such a believer in this right now. the NBA game has gotten um, skilled and and somewhat complex that i think i think a high i q is like one of the most important things in the nBA right now, and it Absolutely. always has it always has been but i think especially right now you you talk about you look towards the draft and it's kind of funny people are like you know super athletic uh you know great defense you know all all these different things like he can't shoot and he has a bad IQ it's like man how's he going to survive in the nba you got to have one or the other preferably both yeah and if you don't have an IQ and you can't shoot that's just i don't know what your upside
1: is but well, it's uh, it, it's funny you mention IQ jokic that's what i think is his top attribute in my opinion
0: he's, he's already a top like 2% intelli- like basketball IQ player yeah i'm not even joking
1: yeah no, I like you said earlier he takes what the defense gives him. So many players haven't figured that out. And and right. he's I think he's 21, right? He's the same age roughly as Kristaps Porzingis. And I yeah, think he's... that's a that's a fun conversation like if if people actually watched more of Jokic, which guy they would kind of lean towards. Uh but but when I'm watching him play, it was so frustrating tonight because at no point did it feel like the Lakers could, you know, get Jokic to force himself into a bad situation he just always felt completely under control and handled yep. all these situations as he came along and he's 21 <laughs> yeah. no it's it's insane and and I think that's maybe partly
0: why some people are like lower on his upside which I think is a little bit silly uh silly but because his IQ is so big so high and so perfect really that people I think people are like well he has nowhere to go from just like a figuring out the game standpoint and um, and I don't, I don't necessarily buy that. Um, there's certainly things he can do, like strengthen himself, and there's still, you, you know, confidence and three-point shooting and all this stuff he can add to his game. But, but yeah, I just I, I, it's crazy. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a blogger and I'm a Nuggets blogger. I get to have a bias. This kid is like, he's been the most fun player to watch in the NBA for me. I mean, if I had to make my top five, it would be like Embiid. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Jokic is in that, you know, he's like in that (laughs) list for me, and I'm not even joking, just every night he does these, I wish you guys could have seen, I like passing Jokic a lot better than scoring Jokic, and tonight you guys got scoring and rebounding Jokic, but passing Jokic, Isaiah Thomas, no joke, Isaiah Thomas was there, the Hall of Famer, was in London for the game against Indiana last week, and he said that... Jokic reminds him of Magic Johnson. <laughs> and It was like, and obviously, okay. What? Let's get carried away
1: here for a minute, but
0: like, that's a Hall of Famer who who played ag- with and against him. He knows. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I thought it was cool.
1: Yeah, that's I. You're rarely doing something wrong if you're being compared to Magic, <laughs> right? <laughs> Whatever you're well, doing, just keep on doing that. Unless you're tweeting and get compared to Magic Johnson, then you're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> Fair point. Hashtag at magic's tweets, but, uh, so I, I wanted to bring this up, uh, and we're going to, I was going to go in a, a slightly different direction here, but, um, I was interested in your thoughts and, and again, not slightly, completely different direction. George Carl goes and, and writes this book, mm. Phil Jackson, when he left the Lakers wrote this book mm-hmm. and you know i can't help but notice the similarities between you know these guys who they leave and i feel like gave themselves too much credit for the success that they enjoyed in their at their respective spots though i did think you had a slightly different take than everybody else about george
0: no i had the same take i think i mean my take was my biggest take was it it it's time for nuggets fans to move on because mm-hmm. the number one comment we get at denverstiffs.com is you know, they never should have fired George. Look at the team. After George left, they've had no success. And, like, my whole thing is that like George was a great coach. I mean, phenomenal coach. He really does know the game of basketball. Um, but you hear, you know, successful people are rarely humble, right? <laughs> and successful people are rarely self-aware. Like, they, And I think Phil Jackson and and uh, George Carl are the same in that regard. In fact, George Carl – explicitly compares himself to phil jackson non-stop in the book it's actually hilarious <laughs> he writes a sentence in there that says something like you know is phil jackson really a better coach than me or did he just have better players or something like, like he really just spells it out not not like you know tries to like dance around it or anything and, and um with george carl in the book the big thing was that i wrote was that he complains about every single place he coached. Like he just complains about every player, every superstar. Uh, he'll say a few nice things every now and then about like, you know, kind of a big player like Chauncey Billups or something. But I mean, he hated every nugget and you kind of look at it and go, man, I know those guys had issues and I know they weren't perfect players, but if you coach for 40 years and hate everyone, like maybe there's a problem with you.
1: Yeah. That's, and, <laughs> I swear everybody else is crazy and I'm the, yeah. I'm the intelligent one. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, I like the point that you made about the, the lack of self-awareness because, yes, I, I think humility to me is one of the most overrated things that people look for in athletes and, and, and people right. in, in really any industry, you know, any, any super successful people in any industry. I just don't think humility is all that important. But the self-awareness is. Right. You know, and, and when, you know, I, I felt like in both cases, in Phil's case and in George's case, they were – giving themselves credit for knowing things about these, these players as human beings, as men, that I don't think they were – that they could necessarily say they knew about them. Like when, when, uh, when George was talking about, you know, Kenya Martin's dad or Carmelo Anthony's Ridic- – Insane. Yeah, Absolutely crazy. You, you don't you, – you knew the guy from, you know, for maybe a, you know, a few hours every day uh and and then you would you know for the most part it's not like nba coaches are are around these players 24/7 uh as as people might think i just don't see how you you draw the conclusion that yes i am i am ready to to make this take or have this take about a person uh that, that was insane to me and and i don't know what did you think did you think he uh do you think he might have taken himself out of the hall of fame for for the stuff he said i don't think he did
0: I don't think he should. Um, I mean, first of all, what he said was uh, offensive to Kenyon Martin. Mm -hmm. Um, But people have said offensive things to players and coaches, and and this and that. I mean, look, what all he did was he uh, he hurt him. He hurt the way he's viewed, or uh, in my opinion, It, it hurt his legacy. But the Hall of Fame needs to be, in my opinion, above that. Like, if he would have murdered somebody or, or, you know, committed some kind of crime, then okay, like, let's factor that in. But, you know, he he took some very inappropriate shots. Uh, he played – what he does in the book and where every time he gets into trouble is he plays pop psychologist, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned talking about Kenneth Reed. He may very well have, uh, you know, a gut feeling about or, – or, I mean, I'm sorry, about Kenyon Martin. He may very well have a feeling about Kenyon Martin and some of – you know his issues and why he he had, you know, off-court issues and locker room issues. He might have a read on that. But why would you share that in a book? And first of all, you don't know that. You have to that's the self-awareness thing is like yeah. you're not a psychologist. You don't know that his issues with uh authority come from not having a father. Like that's uh, so it's all crazy, but at the same time, look, he's the second winningest coach in Nuggets history. He's one of the 10, I believe, 10 winningest coaches in the entire NBA history. Mm-hmm. Um
1: I thought I, I, I thought he took that that mantle in Sacramento. I think that's the only reason he took that job. Was to get the record? I think I he has the record.
0: Uh so so I mean like yeah, you, you you I he belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's just that his legacy will never be the same.
1: Yeah, and and the last point here and and this is again it's tough because I don't know the I don't know George as a person I don't know Phil as a person but like you're looking at the issue that Phil got himself into in in New York here where he's floating the idea that he and Carmelo Anthony like he's opening himself up to Carmelo Anthony <laughs> for a conversation like dude this is your job like <laughs> this is yeah. this is the biggest star the Knicks have had since the seventies. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe aside from Patrick Ewing, this is the biggest star that they've had in decades. And, and Phil is sitting here, you know, patting himself on the back. It seems to me like he's patting himself on the back for, Oh yeah, I'll have a conversation with him. Way to go. Me. I'm keeping him in New York. I know that what he, what Phil has done and how he's handled that situation is poor, but he has no idea that he's handled it poorly. And, uh, and yeah, I, I found the, I found the two, um, situations uh rather interesting i've been staring th- the- go ahead i was gonna say
0: i think the two come off because i've actually read phil's books too um mm-hmm. and even his last one the 11 championship rings or whatever and, and i first of all phil's a much better writer than george carl yeah like i thought phil's book was interesting i thought george's carls was like spending an evening with somebody else's grandpa at the like at the home you know at the, <laughs> <laughs> at the retirement home where he's just telling you about how terrible his grandkids are or something you know, like That's this is boring. It was like, I had to get through it because you know, obviously I'm covering the nuggets and that's an important topic. But, um, so, so yeah, but, but to kind of flip the script on you, it doesn't bode well for Carmelo that if he butts heads with, you know, both George Carl, Mike D'Antoni and Mm. Phil Jackson, like he has a track record now of not working with great coaches. Well, I guess he's not a coach in New York, but still, um, Great personalities, I think like
1: success, successful personalities. Carmelo is kind of bumped, bumped, uh Yeah, I would agree, but go ahead.
0: And I'm the biggest, like, uh, Phil Jackson skeptic. Uh, I know that probably doesn't sit, sit well with Lagervad. And there's no doubt he has, like, some real, real talents, but at least his, like, the things he says publicly and even in his books and stuff, some of his ideas about basketball, I'm like, I don't know if those hold up water, but think, you know. Um, so I don't, I
1: don't know. Yeah, I, the the Carmelo thing, it's tough for me. Like I, I tweeted out today, and, and my mentions have never forgiven me. But I, I tweeted out, it's it's odd to me that, you know, KD goes to Golden State, and people criticize him up and down, and and call him a, you know, he took the easy way out, and this and that and the other. And Melo says he's going to stay in New York, and now people are saying he's not a winner. And I don't understand how, you know, no matter what an athlete does, they they're, they're kind of screwed either way with Carmelo it's tough because like he he wanted to go play in New York which I don't I don't have a problem with he's he's from the area and the Knicks are are you know if he could raise that uh franchise up then he kind of reaches this rarefied air but it's yeah. such it's such a it's such a tire fire over there it's such a dumpster fire <laughs> as an organization that yeah I don't think people realize how much that matters you know and and Like, LeBron deserves a ton of credit for lifting the tire fire that was the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know. And and for the Lakers, and you talked about earlier, you know, that you trust that the Lakers will eventually figure it out. Like, Laker fans don't recognize how spoiled they are and the fact that, yeah. No, they don't. And that's
0: (laughs) what makes them the—and I'm going to be
1: the—I don't care that I'm on a Lakers podcast here. (laughs) It makes them the absolute worst
0: fans in the Absolute worst fan. I don't think that's true. I want to find somebody, out. Somebody just told me I should I should get my legs chopped off by ISIS tonight on Twitter for 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 uh, having an opposing view of the basketball.
1: I, I can't believe you found my my other account like that. <laughs> <laughs> but. but uh, I want to find out what OKC fans have to offer after, you know, if, if Russ, if Russ leaves and that team has to rebuild, I want to see what those fans, because they've never, they've never been through anything other than perennial title contenders. Like the Laker, Laker fans haven't handled it very well, and I'll be the first to say that. You could just look at my mentions on any given night. But... Uh, I want to see what they what they have to offer, and then you can't you can't judge Dendri- Laker fans for being terrible. We just you just agree that the Pepsi Center should be called the Diet Pepsi Center. Nuggets fans are bad fans. <laughs> Lakers fans are
0: terrible people. That's oh, the difference, Anthony. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I think it, honestly, you
0: do bring up an interesting point about OKC, and I think it's true for most fan bases. Uh, this is man, Lakers fans are going to tune out after this. But one of the most impressive moments, I think. Ever in sports fan history was was Miami Heat versus Celtics game six. LeBron goes for like fifty points, and you know I don't know if you remember that game where it looked Mm -hmm. like the the, Heat were going to lose. In the fourth quarter, for like five straight minutes, the Celtics fans cheered "Let's go Celtics" when their team's down like forty points, and like there was one more game. And I just thought that was such a cool like. I mean, look. If that was in Pepsi Center, the Nuggets fans would have been home at halftime. They'd have been like, oh, you know, I'm going to go home and catch Matlock or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, so it is It is always interesting. I think every fan base should go through a prolonged period of failure because that's it, it's when you really figure out, you know, who the fans are. Unfortunately, Denver fans failed that test. They made the playoffs for 10 straight years. Pepsi Center was great. They're rebuilding with a fun team, and nobody goes. So, yeah. hey, we, we lost.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's where, and there are so many Laker fans, so this helps. You know, they, they, they still, like even tonight, it was, excuse me, a random Tuesday night uh, against a Denver team that, you know, they might squeak into the playoffs. The Lakers are not going to make the playoffs. Right. And yet when the Lakers were making their comeback, it it sounded pretty loud to me. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 again, it's it's part of it is is how many Laker fans there are, how many people there are in Los Angeles, and how many titles the Lakers have won. So that really helps, you know, keep people around and think that one day they'll be able to get back to that promised land. But yeah, I, I, I it's tough for me to. I'm biased because I am a Laker fan. Um, I think what what Laker fans or the narrative about Laker fans where that runs into is there are so many Laker fans and there are so many casual Laker fans that that's where. That's where you know the, the mentions like you're getting when you when you know when when you sent out whatever you sent out tonight to get somebody to say that you should have your legs chopped off, like <laughs> that you know I, I had. There are those people in in every fan base. It just so happens that the Lakers fan base is so big that there are yeah. so many more of those people. For sure, for sure. Um, uh, so
0: now the Nuggets have waived Mo Williams. Then, you I'm sure you guys are, are bored of this one but Mo they had Mo Williams now they don't have him so mm.
1: interesting night for the Nuggets Oh just wait until <laughs> just wait until well Mo can't go back to Cleveland right because they traded him
0: What so. is he possibly going to do in Cleveland come on <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: no. I I I guarantee you I guarantee you there will be somebody from the you know in in Silver Screen and rolls thing saying hey you know should the Lakers look at Mo Williams I guarantee that <laughs> Um all right my my last my la- I promise this is my last question here Okay. Gun to your head. Which team, Lakers or Nuggets, has a better record next year?
0: I think it's the Nuggets. I mean, it's it's hard to say with what the big the yeah, you know, the big outlier is what this what the Lakers actually do this offseason because let's say they keep their pick and get a top 3 pick and they decide to to just use it. You know they probably take a step back because now you got to play a new cornerstone guy a bunch of minutes and he's young and rookies are just always bad no matter how, you know you, you know what the story is. But let's say they decide to like push their chips in and go after you know Jimmy Butler or Paul George or both or you know something something crazy and 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 they wheel and deal well then of course and the Lakers are a team that actually can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, that's the hard part. But if we just say that both teams continue on the the rebuilding trajectory that they're on. I think it's the Nuggets. Um, in a lot of ways, they're just a little bit ahead um, of the process, so to speak. And I, I think Jokic is ahead of all those guys as a cornerstone.
1: What What are uh, Danilo Gallinari and Wilson Chandler's contract situations?
0: Gallo's up at the end of the year. Wilson has another year with him. Um, I, I I wouldn't rule out Gallo staying with the Nuggets. It, it's weird, and I tell people this, and everyone around the league kind of rolls their eyes and laughs at me. But Gallo's a weird guy, man. And he's weird in that I could see him not playing in the NBA ever again and just being like, "I want to go back to Italy and play for my Italian team." Cuz he's this he's this guy who's like really competitive, but I I don't think he's so motivated by money or chasing a a ring or anything. And that's why I kind of think he'll probably resign with with Denver on something of a discount. Now, he's not going to take like half a pay cut like in half, mm-hmm. but I could see him working something out with Denver that that's actually favorable and it makes sense to keep him around. So um he's a free agent, but I kinda think he'll be here next year anyway.
1: Yeah, that's the difference to me between the two teams. I think again, I think the core the young cores are, are comparable. Like I think if we're gonna say if we're gonna rank both of them out of ten, I think Denver comes in at like a an eight and the Lakers are like at a seven and a half or, you know, somewhere somewhere around that. And For sure. It could go either way. Yeah, and and so uh but but the the vets that Denver has, when you have guys like Chandler and guys like Gallinari, those guys are just flat out better than Mozgov and Dang at this point in those guys' careers. Now it's unfortunate that the Lakers have those guys for a combined jillion dollars over the next four years. Uh and that kinda hurts them. But the the other thing that I don't think and, and here's where you said you said people are gonna roll your eyes at what you said. The Lakers have to spend money this offseason. They have to. They're going to have about $30 million this year in in salary cap room. And if they don't spend it this year, the following year they have to pay Randall. The year after that, they have to pay uh Russell. And then the year after, you know, and they have to you they're just not going to have money as these extensions kick in. And so this year is going to be the year where they really they they go after one more veteran and I think they they really make a push I don't think necessarily like a max kind of guy, but I do think they bring in a meaningful veteran again, maybe two meaning, meaningful veterans again. Uh, and and that's where, you know, that's something the Lakers can do that I, I don't think the, the Nuggets quite can. And that's here's, the big wild here's card where you,
0: Here's where you guys have the huge advantage. Mm-hmm. I like Luke Walton, and mm-hmm. I like him as I think he's going to be a good coach. I think all rookie coaches struggle almost across the board and I think he's actually been really good this year given the hand that he's been dealt, especially early in the season. I thought the team was incredible. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a good coach. I'm not so certain about Michael Malone, and oh, I am. like the guy. I really want him to be because I have a relationship with him, you know, a professional relationship, and, and I just like him. I like the way he talks about the game, um, but I'm not as sold on him as I am on Luke Walton, and that's going to make a di- big difference, but let me flip the script on you real quick with this question. Mm-hmm. How do you think this new CBA affects the Lakers, because the Lakers are obviously destination one in the NBA for every free agent. Yeah. But now, and it's always been, you know, you got to take a little bit of pay cut. You can't get that fifth year if you go to the Lakers, but it probably won't matter because you're young enough. But now it's like a lot of money. I mean, yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. And we saw like Sacramento is probably the worst situation to be in, and Boogie is going to re sign there. Or at least that's the word on the street. Yeah. If he's willing to re sign at, at the dumpster fire that is Sacramento maybe maybe there'll be a lot less free agency going forward. I, I really don't know the answer to that.
1: Well, I think the big thing is like I think the the era of max guys signing elsewhere is probably pretty much over. Like if you draft uh somebody who is who is going to make max money for stretches of their uh for for stretches of their career, then you probably have that guy forever cuz not even you're talking about the amount of money that those guys are able, capable of making Compared to if they sign somewhere else, but the years that they're going to be signing those right. deals as well. You know, you're talking about restricted free agency is going, is going into, I think, year eight of some of these guys based on the new CBA, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, or not. If it isn't restricted, it's the yeah, it's the extension that they could sign early correct. on if they if that's they, what it is. Yeah. Yep. And, and now you're talking about somebody not being an actual free agent until year eight. So that makes it tough. Um, and by year eight, by the time that rolls around, then you're talking about serious cash that, that they'd be turning down. So that – but, you know, guys like I have my eye on like J.J. Redick or I have my eye mm, on yeah, yep. on uh, Drew Holiday, you know, if he yep. if he can stay healthy. Like those kinds of guys I think are always going to be – and I think that's the market inefficiency that the Lakers can kind of continue to take advantage of. But yeah, the, the the era of stars, you know, forcing the, where, their way to Los Angeles are, are pretty much over now, which I think is too bad personally. And, and it's not just because it's, you know, my own bias being a Laker fan, but I like the idea of these millionaire athletes being powerful enough to, Me too. you know, to, to like LeBron, <laughs> what, what he's done in the league has been really cool. He's run yeah. this thing. And, and uh, I, I think it's, it's too bad that the league has kind of gone in a different direction.
0: You, if you guys and, and I, I know there's smart people working with the Lakers, but just add another pick, get another top three pick. I know it, it's not promised because you guys, it's only protected for three, right? Mm-hmm. One through three. Yeah, I mean you got to roll the dice to get it because if you added, you know, a Fultz or Alonzo Ball, who's like my favorite player in college over the last twenty years, yeah. uh, add, add, a, add add somebody like that, then you have a core of four guys that either mm-hmm. all could be superstars or you know two superstars with, with two really, really good guys. I mean, uh, th- then your guys' ceiling just kind of goes through the roof, in my opinion. Yeah.
1: Well, th- what they need is, and we had we had John Ireland on the show. Uh, uh, you know, he's the Lakers yep, play-by-play yep. guy. And, and he he put it pretty plainly. Like, one of these guys has to pop in the way that Jokic seems to be ready to pop, and Embiid and is popping, and Christaps is right. popping, and, and whatever. The Lakers don't have that guy. And they need that guy. I mean, if it's if it's you know if it's Fultz, uh, who I really like, and he seems to fit what the Lakers kind of need at the shooting guard spot. If it's Lonzo Ball, and they could add his shooting to the to the to the mix, and he could be a special way or a special player in that sense, that'd be great. But one of the guys that they currently have has to take that big leap. And uh, so far, the, the bummer that nobody really wants to talk about out here is they really haven't consistently. So Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but this was a lot of fun, man. And um, thanks for coming on.
0: Are we really just not going to mention that Moutier outplayed D'Angelo Russell? I mean. A- we- after Lakers fans gave me so much <laughs> crap that last time. And I even was like, look, I love Russell even more than Moutier. I, I just think it should be noted. And I'm not even a cape for Moutier because he drives me nuts. But uh-huh. <laughs> I just think it should be noted. Uh-huh. He had a very solid 14 and points six assists two steals uh you know five of seven shooting a pretty solid night whereas d'angelo was benched
1: yeah russell's <laughs> in this russell's in this rut right now with luke for whatever reason he, all right fans fans would get angry at me if i didn't mention this because if if byron pulled the stuff that luke has kind of pulled recently then people would will him and, and last show harrison and i talked about this at length but Luke is doing this thing where he sits Russell for really long stretches in the first half and then really long stretches in the second half. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, you just, they, I think Russell's falling out of rhythm and I tweeted it out earlier where as Russell is going to the bench, he kind of feels like, well, that's it. I'm not going to see the court for another half hour, same old shit. And yeah. uh, it's tough. I, it's, it's, it's on both guys. I think it's poor management on Luke's part. And I think it's, uh, immaturity on D'Angelo's part to handle the situation that he's uh, the way he's handled it. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I
0: think I just, again, I'm playing body language doctor now and I'm, I'm being pop psychologist. Like I said, George Carl should never be, but I think, <laughs> but I, I really think D'Angelo really is a kind of a, uh, look, I, I like D'Angelo. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be great. I still think he's going to be great. I st- I still think he's gonna be a really, really, really good player. But, um, He he does this have like some poutiness to him, and we're dealing with Yusef Nurkic, where he's such a good player when everything goes right, and then when something goes wrong, like no matter what it is, yeah, coach puts him down, pulls him out, or you know whatever, like it just everything falls apart. And the funny thing about Jokic is that not to rave about him too much, but he's just got such a good head on his shoulders that there's he got benched for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had this phenomenal year last year. They moved him to power forward. Why? Who knows? He was a phenomenal center. They move him power forward. He doesn't say a word. Then they bench him and because Nurkic was throwing such a fit that they're like, you know, and Jokic volunteered. He's like, look, I'll come off the bench. There's some weird locker room vibes. I'll be the one to sacrifice. Stupid. he's the best player on the team. <laughs> but he, does, he vol- actively volunteered. And I know that stuff can be really, 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 really overstated. And, and I don't want to overstate it with either of these guys. But I, I do think that, uh, that it can make a difference, especially in these rough patches that D'Angelo's going on, or going through. Um, he, he just has a little... It just seems to me like he has a little bit of growing up to do before he can really start to develop and, and rapidly progress.
1: Yeah, I, this is going to sound weird, and this is something that just kind of crossed my mind, and honestly, I could listen to it tomorrow and call myself an idiot for saying it, but the fact that Russell has some diva to him that's me, a good word
0: for it. Yeah, it
1: makes me makes me a little bit more confident in the fact that like you need to have confidence to be successful, especially as a point guard in the NBA, yeah. because you're going against such incredible talent at the position night in night out. Uh, <laughs> that like if he if he kind of just kind of took this in stride and said, well, I guess I just haven't been playing that good, you know, and and just kind of sat there and and tried to get ready or whatever, then that'd be a, that. Honestly, that'd be arguably a better way to handle the the situation than he has. But the yeah. way he's handled it, it's kind of like a man. I know I'm better than Lou freaking Williams. <laughs> I know I'm. I know I'm the future of this team. Why are these games continuing to go on? You know, and, and I could see him being kind of sick of it. So the diva, you know, like a with like a wide receiver in the NFL, right? You want the wide receiver to want the ball as much as they can, and and if some of the pouting goes on then you know everybody involved in the situation including the player needs to look at themselves and look at the situation see if they can handle it better
0: and he's young i w- i mean the funny thing is anytime we talk about these young guys i was the worst person on earth when i was a 20 year old like oh, there's man. and i didn't and i didn't have millions of dollars and tons of pressure and all this other stuff so i mean i give him a huge pass for it but just at the moment it's a thing that I think is an issue with him, mm-hmm. and I wonder about Ingram too a little bit. I mean, I haven't watched him a, a lot, but just again, some of the, like I, I, I hate body language doctors, and I always end up playing one. But <laughs> there's just there's just some of that with I thought tonight, especially with him, uh, a little bit of uh, just of that little bit of weirdness. But yeah, um, it it was odd because <laughs> they
1: they were like that for four fifths of the game. And then, and then it just kind of turned on a hat and, and they were right back in it. I think they got within two, right? I wouldn't
0: get too excited. Every single Nuggets game this year has followed that exact <laughs> script. So, I mean, yes, get, get excited if you're a Lakers fan, but just look at the Nuggets fourth quarter net rating, and you'll be like, oh, okay, that makes
1: sense. Well, well the, the reason I brought that up was like the body language I that was involved in everybody on the court for that stretch. We're like, yeah. and, and I think that's how it works with all young players. You know? For sure. Yep. You know, the highs are higher than the lows, you know, than the highs of somebody else, and the lows are going to be lower than yep. somebody who's been in the league for a while. So you never know. All right, man. This was this was a fun. This was kind of cathartic. I can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> the game was the game was so frustrating for so long that it was good to just kind of rant for a little bit. Um, the Adam Adam host locked on on uh, Nuggets. Like you said, er, to start the show, he writes for Vice. You write the the league wide piece is something I think our fans would yep. really be interested in, right? That's called. Uh, I'm I'm afraid to call it, use the term because it's the reach
0: the reach around no
1: the wraparound okay wrap around. <laughs> the around. uh I'll, I'll plug one other thing though it just
0: went up on denverstiffs.com it's in slot one and it's probably my favorite thing i've written in a couple weeks it's about kenneth free it's a Nuggets article and it's about kenneth farid in the short corner and the way that he's able to like he produces his own gravity but it applies to the nba i mean take out Kenneth Freed and just you just think about how the short corner can be a useful spot on the court for opening up the paint Mm -hmm. and if you read it with that I think it pertains to all Lakers fans will find it interesting too and start to think about how some of their players can maybe steal a page out of Freed's book
1: yeah Mozgov takes advantage of that spot about as well as anybody on the Lakers roster so yep he does he's good with it too um Yeah. So go out and read that. We'll talk to everybody again tomorrow. I'm actually going on vacation, so I don't know how many shows I'm going to be with over the next week or so. But uh, thank you, Adam, for joining. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will talk to everybody when we talk to you.